Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we are back here with this week's episode called I Know You're Watching the NBA Finals, but you can watch this at the same time. <laughs> How about that? I am. <laughs> so we, 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 uh, we're, we're here. This week's episode is titled Higher Learning. Uh, we're here to talk about, obviously... Uh, the miseducation of life that's happening. We could have actually called it the miseducation of America. Um, Not a bad brought, name, bro. Not a bad name. We we brought some some special guests today. So first, we'll introduce the newest uh, member of uh, the team today, Dr. Sidney Freeman, the distinguished tenured professor from the University of Idaho, uh, a, a friend. Of the Boy Mission Podcast, great to have him on his insights this week. Excited to be here, guys. And then we have uh, Mike Nix. I don't know if we can call you a, a guest anymore. We won't. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm on here more often than my cousins. So you're, you're, you're definitely <laughs> beating Paul out uh, for sure, yeah. uh, and sometimes Sheldon. Yeah, uh, true facts. So so. Uh, Definitely happy to have uh, such a distinguished guest back. Another guest we have, Dr. Jason Logan, um, here to give his opinion. Uh, this is one of the only places that we actually care about his opinion. <laughs> Welcome back to Small Fry, Mr. Sheldon Kennedy. We haven't seen you in a long time. I've been busy, bro. Been busy. Uh, yeah, making money is hard, but uh, <laughs> I don't believe we've seen Sheldon since uh, Easter. So welcome yeah. back. Thank it's been a few months. Yeah. So uh, in the 90s, we had a movie named Higher Learning came out. John Singleton, rest in peace. Uh, originally, he had uh, stars such as Leonardo DiCaprio and... Tupac supposed to be in the cast, mm-hmm. um, but he ended up with Omar Epps, Ice Cube, I believe, in his second or third movie after uh, Boys in the Hood. I think he did one other one. Yeah. Um, Michael Rappaport, who uh, uh, young Michael Rappaport, who had the performance Remy. of his young uh, career mm-hmm. and several others, Buster Rhymes and, and, and people like that. Um, but one of the things in the movie that sticks out besides its accurate portrayal of kind of what college life was with the different races was its emphasis on the way history was being told. I don't know if you remember um, Larry Fishburne's role as the professor in that movie, um, Lawrence Fishburne, I should say. Uh, he was talking about, you know, not only adjusting to life and to uh, school life and into life afterwards and becoming an adult, but also talking about the way the world views some things. So I wanted to talk today about with all of you. Um, we we by the way last the last episode uh, was 
censored because we used critical race theory in the title. So Facebook, seriously, yeah, yeah, Facebook did not allow wow. it to be uh, um, a boost. Wow! So they said it was a political thing. So, oh my goodness, I, I, I won't, oh, I won't, I won't, I won't. Uh, shout out to my, my my guy Mark Zuckerberg. I did, I didn't try to complain above the fray, but uh, it, it's it's interesting that critical race theory um, and what we spoke to last time um, is that much of a lightning rod that people call it political. When I, I don't understand, uh, I mean, it's, it's like it's like it's forty for, years old. Yeah, exactly. It's been around for years. Right. No, I thought I thought Ibram X. Kendi created it, right? Even though, <laughs> even though he was born one year after it was created, but he created it. Yeah. Right. So uh, it doesn't make sense, but he, here we are. So today we'll stray away from from that. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, Facebook is anything race related. Okay. So my 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 wife said, you know. Uh, just you know, be careful with the titles and stuff. She's the branding person, so I, I listen to her. Um, so uh, what I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things that we're seeing nowadays. We all live through January sixth. I know. Uh, I think we'll all remember where we are were because most of us were at home. But I remember the day and thinking how outrageous it was that this was happening. I didn't yep. think that they were going to actually take over the country, yep. but I thought it was the height of audacity. But one mm. thing that I've noticed is that right in, even though we all saw it with our own tablets, TVs, phones, um, it's being dramatically recasted as a, a, a protest uh, yes. of people who um, are angry because their votes were taken away. So I want to kind of uh, in, 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 in light of all the history that we know, I wanted to kind of get your take on on that. And anybody can jump in with that one. Yeah. Uh, you know that history is always written by the people <laughs> that are in power. Sure. You were, you were able to dictate what happened when it happened, how did it turn out, what were the reasons why things took place and so forth. It's, uh, it's not surprising at all that you see a different narrative being pumped out, or I should say, not a different narrative, but a narrative that is going to try to water down and try to um, uh, de-escalate exactly what the intentions were on that, on that day, on the 6th. These people stormed into the capital of the United States with nooses and tear gas and zip cords. And they, this wasn't just, oh, no, this was my vote. And please let me or I hope that you hear my voice. This this wasn't a march across the bridge in Selma. Do you understand? This wasn't some peaceable gathering. These people were there for one reason only, and this was to cause as much havoc as they possibly can. They were looking for people in order to kidnap, in order to, so, but then to have it switched over and say, well, you know what, these people were just angry and so forth. I don't know. I don't know. I guess it just comes down to what you described or how your anger looks like, you know, because like I said, there were, there were people getting hit with fire hoses and, dogs being 
being released on them when they were just trying to make sure that they could sit at a dining counter, you know? So it's, uh, it's not surprising. It's expected. It's not something that you're, that that's, that's like blowing my mind. Like, Oh my goodness. I can't believe. No. And, uh, when you see it happen before your eyes, you know, you just, you can't, you can't at this particular point be anything other than expected of something like that. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. You know, I, I saw something today that said that they said it, it was it was a quote that said, How how embarrassed or how ashamed must you be to not be able or to not be willing to teach the kids in your own country your history? Yeah. How yeah. How, how how far gone are you that you make it illegal? In fact, you make it illegal to say we're not learning about our own history. It's amazing. It's yeah. They, they don't. They don't even want MLK anymore in Texas. And, and yeah. ML, ML, MLK was like the you know the go-to was the you know the All Lives Matter mascot for a lot of these white folks. You know, <laughs> you know, hey, I have a dream, and all this. They, they they don't even want the I have a dream speech anymore. And so it's deeper than just this fetish with critical race theory, which was always, oh, Facebook, please don't cancel us for saying that. Uh, but that was always just like, you, we like we talked about, that was never what it was really about. It was just the latest label in the culture war. Um, but once we got past all that, to, to your point, Jason, what we're seeing is that this movement has always been about the erasure of, of truth, the erasure of real history, um, and an inability for whatever reason to reckon with, uh, what's actually happened. You know, it's, it's, it's really mind boggling so much. So that someone who used to be as, as non-controversial, at least in recent, at least in recent time as MLK is now being cast in a controversial light as well, because they're just so warped at this point. Like they don't know which way is up. You know, it's going to be interesting. Um, so if we think that things is crazy now, um, I don't know if y'all heard, and I, I have to make sure I have all my information proper, but football season is right around the corner, and according to what I heard recently, they plan on playing the Black National Anthem as well as the National Anthem. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, yeah. So if you think, you know, if, if you think that racists are quiet <laughs> quiet right now wait till you see how quiet they are when it comes to playing the black national anthem as well as the national anthem that it's just not gonna go down well There's can, I, gonna be can, a lot. can i ask a question who in the world asked for that what did we did yeah. we, is that was that in anyone's demands or anything i don't know but i i didn't i didn't think it was necessary and as a matter of fact i think it's not i, I think it's not going in the direction that any um Logical yeah, black individual. I don't. I don't see the. I don't see the purpose what, of it. To be honest, yeah. what is the point of doing that? I mean, <laughs> we got your back, guys. <laughs> no, I. I. I, I only I wonder it. because it seems like, you know, in, in one in in negotiation class in business school, they talk about making empty concessions, right? Mm -hmm. Which mm -hmm. you you show people like, um, you know, I, I'm gonna give you something. 
you know right it might not if you ask for 10 things this has nothing to do but you can't say i'm not giving you anything and the tactic there is to show activity not really achievement right well we saw that with juneteenth right right so same i I asked for juneteenth to be a holiday i'm one of those people who for years who've been saying it however um to me that was a small victory, not a ma- as major of a victory as yeah. people made it to be. Right? I don't. I don't think. Um, I think Juneteenth should be a holiday because there needs to be something to reflect the fact that laws that benefit black people historically have been overlooked and have to have been enforced by the military, and this is one of them. Right? Um, and I think it's it's a good thing for people to remember because I think that's kind of you know a critical point of history which you know can be memorialized by a holiday so I think that was the right thing to do um, but, the idea, the idea. but there's so much other stuff that you know tangible things that have been asked for that you know I don't know voting rights like everybody else <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean um, that uh, doesn't seem to stand a chance but we tend to get other things that we didn't really ask for, so that, I, I always find that interesting. But supporting your point, well, the other thing, the other, um, the, the idea um, with Juneteenth, the idea that you know slavery didn't really end when we thought it did. Right. right? So I mean, historically speaking, they said it was over, it actually wasn't. So I mean, I think Juneteenth is, is I agree with you. It's, it, that's a good way to. Um, Tell the actual story of what has what has really happened, and, and really, and really, that is a sort of a microcosm of what happens. Like you said, well, you know, any any laws that benefit black people, we have to fight for. I mean, tooth and nail. Like that's really a, a microcosm of, of what happens historically in our country when something is undone or something some some law is is enacted to erase or to or to, or to discontinue some great injustice it never just goes down like that. It's never like, okay, now it's over. You know what I mean? So like we have to, I think we have to, we have to keep telling that story. So I agree with you that, that Juneteenth is, is a, a step in the right direction to that end. You know what I mean? It's like, cause I, I I'm like, I've had, I, my wife and I have Juneteenth t-shirts and, and last year we wore them and took pictures and stuff. She's an Instagram influencer and stuff. Warm again this year. So, so, so every time, every time we, every, like every time I wear my Juneteenth shirt, somebody says, I like your shirt. What does that mean? Oh yeah, what? What is it? Who is that? What is yeah, that? like they don't know what it is. Which, which, for me is great. I'll tell the story. Hey, I'm in Target, Juneteenth. You know, you, you remember you, you thought slavery was over. It actually wasn't. People were keeping slaves for another couple of years. Blah blah blah. This is a celebration of it actually ending. And they're like, oh wow, I had no idea. I'm like, yeah, happy Juneteenth. <laughs> About my business. I mean, I, I just feel like I feel like that's a that's a useful conversation. You know what I mean? I'm, and I'm happy to have it. So I think Juneteenth is a good step in the right direction and i don't i don't equate juneteenth becoming a national holiday with playing the national anthem playing the black national anthem at sporting events or whatever it's a lightning rod for no reason it's yeah. a lightning rod for no reason and i'm going to say this um, the simple fact that paul you have to wear the t-shirt and people have to ask mm. I, I, nobody if you had a if you had a Christopher Columbus shirt on, right. everyone would know who Christopher Columbus is and what that wow. day is and the day that we have off in October because we know Christopher Columbus because that 
we didn't learn from somebody walking down the street with a shirt on and someone walked up and was like, hey, what does that mean? No. Christopher Columbus and what he did and his legacy or whatever legacy that you wish to choose about Christopher Columbus was taught to us in school. It was part of our curriculum. It was part of our learning. It was something that we needed to ingest and graph into our brains. We had to regurgitate this. There was a, there was a penalty for not knowing it. Yeah, exactly. Like, and if we, if we did not know this, yeah. we did not know history. Yeah. We did not know history at, at all. We did not know American history. We did not know the history of North America, the world history, and so forth. So I like the fact that you're wearing the shirt. I like the fact that people are walking up to you. But the simple fact that someone has to ask you about what's going on, and you have to be a walking billboard, you have to be the walking history lesson, is unfortunate. That it goes, it goes deeper than that, though, Jason. I mean, I was reading the thing. This is a few years ago now, and I don't have it in front of me. I, I'm, I'm going to try to find it while we're on, and I'll, I'll bring it up again if I find it. But I was, I was reading a, an article um, some years ago about how just a lot of people don't know what Black History Month is. Yeah. Black History Month is a nationally recognized. It's on the calendar, right? I mean, it's not a holiday, per se, but it's on the calendar. It's nationally recognized. But there's, I mean states that don't know what it is, <laughs> you know what I mean? Whole schools that don't know what it is. So, I mean, it really is, is and we all know, you know what I mean? It's deeper than just being left out of the curriculum. It's, it's and I think that's the point of the episode. It's, it's really a retelling of, of the story, you know what I mean? To, to intentionally leave out, you know, important facts. You know, I, I'm not gonna call any names, but I was, I was talking to some, some um, I'd say older people. I, mean, I don't know. They're they're in their sixties. So people who people who grew up and lived through the sick the nineteen sixties, and they were I'm not gonna call any names. Show <laughs> we don't we don't name names. <laughs> the names aren't the point. But these are these are these are these are black people. These are African Americans. These are they're not Caribbean. They're not African. They're African American. These these are black people who grew up in the United States. Participated in in like in um, 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 the civil rights, civil rights movement. Civil rights, thank you. Wow. Participated in civil rights stuff, you know, events, marches, and stuff like that. These are these are like woke with like they would call themselves woke or whatever. They didn't know what Juneteenth was until recently. Yeah, really. So I'm just so I'm, what I'm the point I'm making is that yeah. the point I'm making is that it has been intentional, not just left out. It's been like deleted. You know what I'm saying? This stuff has been deleted from our knowledge base as a people, and we don't know yeah. us. Like we don't know yeah, ourselves. That's, that's huge, man. Well, I would, that's huge. if I could, if I could just jump in, um, what I've been thinking about as as we've been talking is this notion of Saturday schools. I don't know if you guys have heard that before, but Saturday schools they had the had Saturday schools over in the UK. Um, but they also had them. They also had them in the United States. It was supplemental education, black education. So you would get your regular public school education, but then on Saturdays you would come and get a supplemental uh, education uh, related to who we are and things like that. And I've been thinking about that recently about how can we develop a new curriculum that will supplement the regular curriculum because everyone's not going to have the opportunity to go to a school with black teachers or people who even, or, you know, they even care about us. Right. So that I think that's something that needs to be uh, added in the future. Who funded the school? Who, who supported that? Who, 
Uh, that's that's a good question. I don't know, but I think it was it, it was community based, right? So uh, and so as the, this conversation has reemerged in the UK because of what's been going on, right? Whether it's soccer or is mm-hmm. uh, Meghan Merkel or all these different things, there's conversations about. Listen, you know, uh, racism racism isn't that much uh, better, right? in the UK versus the United States is just not, you know, told and things like that. And so now there's this, you know, a lot of conversation about uh, about reinstating these Saturday schools so people know who they are. And I think that's something we need to be doing in the US. That's an interesting idea. But yeah. but, but I, I just have a question. And just to be fair, just play, play the devil's advocate, you know, there are courses, there are African-American courses, there are, you know, courses that you can take electives it may even be part of your core curriculum if you're in a particular degree field that is required learning in college. So should should people be happy with that? Should you so be and say, oh, you know what? Well, we may not get it in sixth grade, but hey, we get it as a sophomore in college. Shouldn't that be sufficient? I, I, think, so, I think what we're saying too is that the education that we're getting in higher learning is intentionally not focusing on or giving enough light to a lot of these events in our history. You know, if you look back to, we all had a world history class in college, right? How much, how much of it was on Africa? None. Probably a, it might've been a half a class a day or None. nothing. Right? Zero. Yeah, they right. are black people. All right, so let's talk about questions for questions. I went to the HBCU and it was none. <laughs> yeah, I went to an HBCU and took a, a took a, a, a black studies kind of um, wow. course, and I didn't know about Juneteenth. Like, right. I mean, I only fr- yeah. so so. It's not that it's not that yeah. you can take Africana studies. You can take mm-hmm. uh, African uh, African American studies. All these different things. But if you're not really um, uh, intentional about about talking about these things, you can miss it. I think there's so much uh, mm-hmm. because we have, like, I'm I'm talking about British history. I haven't. Even, we're not talking about African American history versus those in the Caribbean, those in South America. There's all these different uh, mm-hmm. groups, so one course can't hit everything. Right. So. <laughs> I love what you said just now. Um, it kind of makes me think, you know, uh, when you were talking about Black History Month, I feel like Juneteenth, I, I put Juneteenth and Black History Month in the same uh, name sometimes because a lot of people don't know too much about our history, period. And they wait for Black History Month to try to download centuries and centuries of information into little kids. And you know, what they do is they give us the highlight reel. The highlight reel consists of Frederick Douglass, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, um, and we got three black ladies. We got Shirley Chisholm, we got a little bit of uh, Black Moses, we got a little bit of, you know, uh, just just the highlight reel. But then we're stuck. We don't know anything outside of that highlight reel. So Juneteenth was never a conversation. As a matter of fact, you know, it. I didn't read about so there's a lot of things I did not read about until I was in my in, in college. Like, you know, as, as a West Indian, you would figure I knew a little about it. I would hear about Marcus Garvey. But I did not realize the depth of what Marcus Garvey meant. 
I did not realize the depth of the pan, uh, pan the pan trans, the transatlantic trade. You know what I mean? I, there's so many things that I did not know because you only learn it in February. You know what I'm saying? You 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 wait till February and you try to download all of this. It's too much. It's too much. But I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna support your point, Sheldon, and take it a step further. And I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna illustrate my point here in a second. But I'm gonna say that our our actual history, that the truth of African American yeah. history, is not yeah. told. It's not taught in school. Not at all. That's that's what I, that's the point. I'm, that's the point I'm saying. And, and if, yeah, and if, I agree. If, I agree. If you go to an HBC, if you go to an HBCU and you have a yeah. Black History class taught by a, yeah. a, a a Panther, you might get it. Score to that. <laughs> no, seriously, score to that. You're probably not going to get it. You're probably not. I, look, I don't remember ever hearing about Malcolm X in school. I know a lot about Malcolm X, but I went and read his book. Like, I, you know what I'm, saying? Like, I'm interested. I went and read it. Yeah. Like, like Sydney said, you got to go pursue it yourself. You're not gonna, it's not yeah. going to just. It's not going to be required reading like Christopher Columbus and and, no, and Abraham. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. just not. It's not in the same. Yeah, and, that, so and that's, let, that's me, a really let, me, let me illustrate it really, really quickly. So, so um, I, you know, with virtual VP, we do a lot of help for for um, for schools. So, so um, in one particular school, I won't call the name of the schools. I don't call names. So, in one particular school, this, oh, no. is a, this is a black. It's a black <laughs> high school, right? In this black high school, they have. And what What? I was saying, don't, in what don't, state? Don't, don't, don't say. <laughs> I'm not going, I'm not we, we, we all know. In, in this black in this black high school, they have a class called African American Literature, in which they teach African American literature to eleventh graders. They have another class called African American History, which they teach African American history to eleventh graders. Right? Okay. So, if you fail one of these courses, you have to make up the class because you you need both classes to graduate. Right? This is basic. This is just this is just school. Right? Okay. The school is too small to have a makeup system themselves. So they outsource their makeup, their makeup. A student who fails their class has to go make it up somewhere else, right? There is no other school where they can make up African-American history or African-American literature. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. So they have to, so, so students who fail African-American literature, for example, at this school have to take a second section of American literature because they can't find African-American literature somewhere else. It doesn't exist. It's not there. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. African American history is replaced with the second year of American history because it doesn't exist. Wow. It's not part of the curriculum. It's not on the radar. <laughs> no one is teaching our history. <laughs> wow. And, and why, why are these students failing? They're <laughs> failing that class, that, especially a black school. Would, to me, to me, that'd be the most interesting class in school. But I mean, that's just yeah. Me, you know. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. This may go just one step further. Because every time we label something as African American or Black history or stuff like that, you know, that always gets everybody, people all riled up. If there was just an accurate portrayal of world history, period, if you just said that and was able, and you were able to actually accurately describe the development of civilizations in Africa, in Egypt, in northern sudan and how these particular cultures influence greece and then rome and if there was just a world history that in itself would just start sparking kids minds about oh okay all right so hey civilization started here let's find out more about what happened in this particular civilization so it doesn't even have to be african history or black History. Now, don't get me wrong. 
there certainly does need to be a, a separate section of the American experience of the African in the United States, period, because there is nothing like that experience. There is nothing like what happened to anyone else on the planet in history than what happened to the African or happening in America. Happening. And then, yeah. or that, is, that is happening in America. So I'm not saying that we need to water that down and take that out because that gives you such gives you such a treasure trove of the different types of injustices and you can it is such a case study it is an ongoing experiment that has gone horribly wrong that needs to be analyzed and dissected 15 ways a sunday so i'm not saying that but world history that's it just yeah. let's go in world history let's talk about what happened so we get out of this decentralized, hey, it's Europe and it's all of its, you know, all of its explorers. All you heard about was Vasco da Gama. All you heard about was Christopher Columbus. All you heard about was Pizarro and Magellan and all that. That's all. You would think that the only people that could build a ship came out of Portugal. Yeah. 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 All you but know people. is Marco Polo. That's it. Yeah. Seriously. Seriously. And then until they didn't realize their navigators were black. Ex you have no idea. You have no idea that you have yeah. Polynesian folks that were that were crossing the Pacific with yeah. a compass. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> you guys were just reading waves and looking at stars. And it's, it, but no, we know Marco Polo, Christopher Columbus, Cortez. We know these guys. We can we we identify them. We know them by name. But we know nothing else. And other, like I said, African American history or African history, Black history is wonderful. But if we just talk world history with a different bias, with a more, with just more inclusive, inclusivity, inclusivity, like it'd be a whole different ballgame. Yeah, totally. Two, I'll share two quick things to build off of what Paul and Jason just said. The first one. It's a point on Juneteenth and, you know, Paul's point about the fact that it's really important for us to, you know, as black people in particular, to really take that extra initiative to really learn our own history, particularly for us at our stage in our lives and development. Um, one of the things that I actually discovered about Juneteenth as I dug a little deeper is as joyous an occasion and celebration that it is, and I think it should be celebrated I think the history around Juneteenth is very nuanced. There's a lot of tragedy in that mm -hmm. triumph. If you actually read what, and I forget the you know the the Union General's name right now, but if you read the statement that the the Union General read to uh, the enslaved persons in Galveston, Texas, the first half of it is great. Yeah. It talks about how the Emancipation Proclamation yeah. was written two and a half years prior. And that you're effectively free. But then he gives them two pieces of information going forward. The first thing that he says is that they they would not tolerate any, um, they used an old-fashioned word essentially for homelessness. So they basically said... Vagrancy. Vagrancy, vagrancy exactly. They're not going to tolerate any vagrancy. So uh, we encourage you to stay where you are. So he says, first, you're free. And then he, right. then he says, stay on your plantation. And then the All second right. thing he says after he advises them to stay on their plantation 
is to negotiate a essentially a sharecropper's you know contract going forward arrangement Mm -hmm. because you know they were going to need some sort of employment and they couldn't be vagrant and so you couldn't just go off and be nowhere and so since you don't have any money and nowhere to live we advise you to stay here and negotiate in and of yourself a a work contract with your former owner so so that's that's the full story of juneteenth okay now it's it's a celebration that that folks were technically free but i think it's a it's a really interesting microcosm of the black experience in this country it's tragedy and triumph every every piece of every 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 triumphant moment we have i mean you know the election of obama is followed up by the tea party white lash you know and 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 it sets the table for trump so it's only it's always only short-lived and it's three steps forward you know two steps back you know constantly or whatever the case may be so i so i think and i wouldn't have really had that context on juneteenth outside of the the social media post and you know the fun that we can have in celebrating it and we should celebrate it uh, it's it's something that it's important but it's important to have the full context on it and then real quick to jason's point about an accurate portrayal of world history uh, a quick story there's a professor and i won't say at which school uh following paul but there's a professor that i know what's of. what's the purpose of this Ooh. show if we can't <laughs> <laughs> There, there's a professor that, that I know of that was teaching a class on, world I'm history. trying to remember, yeah. I, it wasn't even a world history class, Western, but it was Western on, Civ. it was on, um, it was like, it wasn't even that, it was on, it was supposed to be on like racism and like the, like the history of systemic racism. And so there were, so there was a portion of the class that obviously dealt with slavery in America there's a portion that dealt with the Holocaust, and and there were some other there were some other examples that the professor looked at, and so the egregious part of it was, you know, in this particular professor's um, opinion, the the worst uh, form of uh, I guess exploitation and and, and marginalization marginalization and oppression of, of in the human experience is the Holocaust, and he made it a point. Uh, for, and, you know, I don't really understand this whole oppression Olympics thing. That's what I call it. Like how we're trying to figure out who had it worse. Yeah. I just I've never understood the fetish for that. But he he had he, he really wanted to make it a point that uh, folks understood that the Holocaust was a lot worse than slavery. And he took this so much. You know, he took this to the point that uh, he actually asked a, a exam question. It was a multiple choice exam question where he essentially asked the question, uh, which of these human atrocities was the worst? I'm not getting the exact wording, but that was essentially the question. And the choices were, you know, American slavery, the Holocaust, and I forget the other two that he put. And the answer, so, so you had to answer it this way, that he put on his answer key was the Holocaust. So if you answered American slavery, you would have been wrong. And so... It's just another example, of, and it's a weird example, but um, going to another thing you talked about, Jason, about the fact that, you know, so people in positions of power get to uh, not just craft the narrative of history, but they also get to rank what's important and what's not, and, and what should be remembered and what should be gotten over. 
And so um, we need to have a paradigm where, where, where that's a reset and, and that, um, you know, again, we're, we're not in a situation where we have to compare our struggle to other oppressed mm -hmm. persons, mm -hmm. but that collectively oppressed persons can learn from each other and, and lift each other up in, in a broader, more beloved community. Now, yeah. I, I, I always take a lot of this as I don't believe the Civil War ever ended. Mm. Right. I, have you ever seen an uprising that, you know, the people who led the uprising were treated so fairly? were given rights. Um, they lost, you know, something. But I believe in the Civil War, even if you look back to it, there's this a speech called the Cornerstone Speech by Alexander Stevens. And, you know, Gabe and I were talking about this um, before, before earlier. And, 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 and it was talking about, he gave this speech a few weeks before the Civil War began. And he talks about, you know, the difference between the, the, the Confederate Constitution and and the Constitution of the United States, and how they're at they're at odds odds with each other, but he specifically talked about the fact that black people were inferior and deserved to be enslaved, and this was a precursor weeks before the Civil War. Um, so when you read something like that, there, it's clear evidence of what we fought the Civil War for. But now, if you ask people. People in, in the textbooks in Texas, they say, you know, the Civil War was about states' rights. It was about, um, you know, it was a disagreement that the North and the South had about the direction of the country. Sound familiar? It's about voting. Sound familiar? Um, so I, I, I think if you look at it, the Civil War never really ended, right? You They tried to placate one side and give them stuff right for their loss you know uh, uh slave owners a lot of them were compensated for their loss of slaves right but the slaves were were were, were sent to fend for themselves um and then after that you had a you had a period where it was almost impossible for black people to immigrate to this country you're talking about for almost a hundred years it was impossible Almost impossible. That's why you see an influx of, of Nigerians. Hello, uh, uh, people from the West Indies in the '60s, hello? because that's when it actually became legal for yeah. black people to immigrate to America in the '60s. So I, I don't think the Civil War ever ended. You know, I, I know they like to put a nice bow on it. Uh, they have horse statues and, and the Confederate flags and stuff like that. But I think that's a sign of of of, of of, of it just evolved and never really ended. There, there are still states with Confederate imagery in their state flag today right now. I think there's seven or eight of them. Mm -hmm. um, my state, the state I live in, I should say, my state is New York, but the state I live in being being one of those states, Alabama. Alabama is obviously the most egregious. It's just a big X. <laughs> <laughs> it's got the stars, changed the blue to white, but it's a big X. That's the, the state flag, you know what I mean? So like every yeah. time I see the state flag of Alabama, I have to look at it for a second and make sure it's not a Confederate flag. We see those too, but 
um, <laughs> but, but very rarely flying from official buildings. Usually from official buildings, like state buildings, you see the state flag. Whenever I pass by, like, you know, Chamber of Commerce or something, I see the state flag and I'm like, is that the, okay, all right. But I'm just saying to your point, Egu, I, I agree with you. The, the spirit of the spirit of the Confederacy was never just snuffed out. That's you know right. what I mean? The, the way Germany, for example, has destroyed absolutely. You know, absolutely. they totally destroyed any absolutely. any ability to to side with absolutely Hitler and his people. They they the, you're not allowed to think Nazi in Germany anymore. You you cannot you against the law. You cannot. You cannot fly the flag. You cannot. You, you cannot. The only place you see that swastika is in a museum, or, or in, in the United in the United Rally. States. Anytime yeah. there's rallies, that's when you see. Yeah, fact, they imported it over here. Wow! Wow! But yeah, but yeah, you know, it, it's in, not even in Germany. in Germany that you see it. It's yeah. here. And see, the the way the way we and when I'm saying we, I'm using it broadly in terms of, of Americans because I'm an American. Hmm. Uh, but the way we in America. Like to say stuff like this didn't really happen that way, right? Like we were just talking about, we you know we say, um, oh, it was really about states' rights, and like oh, it wasn't that bad, that kind of thing. You're not allowed to do that in Germany. You're not allowed to say that the the, the Holocaust wasn't that bad or right. or it didn't happen. It's against the law. Like you can't do it. You can't downplay <laughs> you know it. They, yeah. they, have, they have they have snuffed they have snuffed out the ability to even side with the Nazis and be a reasonable person in their country. They they've they've eliminated it. Right, we have not done that. Nazi. Yeah, we haven't done that. We have not. Unacceptable. We have not. We have not erased or or eliminated or deleted the ability to side with slaveholders in the United States. We haven't done it. So, I mean, the spirit of the Confederacy is alive and well, in my opinion. I mean, like I said, state flags. (laughs) I think there's eight of them. It might be. It might be seven, but. You know, and you know what the states are. It's, it's, it's um, you know, South Carolina, it's Alabama, it's, it's um, Mississippi, you know, Mississippi. I mean, Tennessee, you know, you know, everything yeah. down there. Yeah, North Carolina might be one of them. Yeah. So, so in, in my in my state of uh, Idaho, so I live in uh, Mercy. Idaho, and so I often say that uh, you have it's like the the quote unquote. Uh, good, good white people uh, mm-hmm. talking to the to the bad white people, but they feel they're the good white people see them as like their cousin, their crazy cousins, or there's some. But there's not this kind of like, no, this is this is wrong. They see the humanity, they see the actual humanity, quote unquote, in the other side. But when it comes to black people. I don't feel like we're given that same humanity. So I think that's mm. a part of the whole the whole thing where um as as atrocious as the uh, far far right has been white people white people that are more liberal are more center more center see the humanity in the ultra conservative uh and, and the racist bigots on the on the other side. So uh, and I see that every day. It's crazy. So, Dr. Mm-hmm. Freeman, let me ask you a question. So if we're thinking back to what needs to change besides adding Saturday school, why even throughout all this, when we talked about this last time briefly with the fact that the NFL, even in the heat of the Colin Kaepernick lawsuit and all those things, the NFL was still um, – 
discriminating against black injuries uh, for CTE and paying them less because they said they had less cognitive ability. That's crazy. It, it, it go, that goes back to, really, if you go back to that speech of the Confederacy where that black people are worth less, inferior, and stuff like that, that same line has just, it's always been the undertone in history, right? Black people get paid less for lawsuits. Black people get paid less for work. Black people uh, get, get paid less for their houses or assets when they're sold. All those things have persisted. How in the world, as you know, for someone who's in education, do we reform education to let people know that that's actually happened and still happening? I think we've got to just continue to push. Um, I, I, I think a public school, a public institutions, is going to be get harder and harder in conservative states like mine. Uh, so the thing that I've done, for instance, has have pushed for our Black Cultural Center. We're getting a director probably in the next few months. Um, but you know, just it just I believe like Black faculty that are are tenured, like they have a responsibility to be pushing for the advancement of black people on campus. And so uh, so uh, I've partnered, for instance, with the history department, right? And so uh, so what I've done, all my students who have, who have uh, worked with me were, were white, right? But they're working on a historical projects related to black people, or I'm, I'm in Africana studies, but I, um, I don't know if we can shift the whole, these whole, uh, the whole of higher education, but I think um, at one institution at a time, uh, we can be pushing for it. Uh, but I think it's going to be particularly hard at these public institutions that are um, that are being influenced by these uh, <laughs> these state legislatures around money, and they have the levers to kind of um, pull back money. If if you talk about uh, uh, critical race theory, How, just just a question, Sydney, and mm -hmm. I'm just um, just buttoning in here. How much how much responsibility do the people, the faculty members, the people that are working with you, how much responsibility do they take on, or do you take on, mm -hmm. as to trying to make sure that not only are you enlightening folks about the African American experience. But about the Asian experience, about the Eastern European experience, about the Native American experience, do you do you find yourself focusing solely on the African American experience and trying to get the white folks, the Caucasian folks, to understand that, or do you find yourself kind of parsing out exactly what's going on to try to bring all of the cultures that make up America, you know, to bring them to the fore? Yeah, so so I think you, there's strategic coalition building that we that we do. But for instance, there was a so the big organization that pushed back in our state. We were either the first or second state to push one of these CRT bans. Uh, it's the Idaho Freedom Foundation, and so what they did was they wrote names of faculty members who taught these who taught classes related to. Um, race and things like that. But ultimately, when you looked in their report, at the end of it, what they were scared about was a black fist. So so my thing is this. 
I, I believe in coalition building with my Latinx brothers and sisters, my Asian brothers and sisters, my Native American brothers and sisters. But ultimately, mm-hmm. there's something there's something special about black people in this country. And it's yeah. fear. It's fear. Yeah, it is special. And so and so I'm not saying that. So my thing is this. So I of course, I partner. I partner with my Native American brothers and sisters and I try to help advance them. But ultimately what ends up happening is because we have a um, hmm. how I, civil rights is not the, the term I want to use, but we have a protest uh, spirit and a history of protests, right? Oftentimes yeah. what I've seen in Idaho, for instance, is that black people will break down the doors and then Native Americans will, will, will benefit from it. Our Latinx people will benefit from it. And then we'll step on us. Yeah. All right. So, so I'm not saying, so most of most black people, ultimately we're giving people, we're loving people, we'll coalition with people, with, with anybody that's for, you know, advancing, advancing people as a whole. But I think we have to be much more strategic about our alliances. Because what ends up happening is people take advantage of our what we've been able to do and then step step over us to get ahead. So that's that's kind of my response. Yeah, I, I totally I totally agree. I, I just wanna I wanna echo some of that. I mean, it's just so well said by, by Dr. Freeman. But I think building off of what he said, there there's always in this country that there's a penalty for blackness. It's it's always looked at and treated differently. So uh, I'll use maybe a potentially touchy example, but this is let's just talk about media coverage. I'm not talking about the right of people to protest. I think whoever wants to protest outside of January 6th and the way that they did that, if you want to do it peacefully or whatever, as Black Lives Matter does, uh, then I think that it's fine. But the media coverage of the, the protests in Florida around what's happening in Cuba has been very different than the media coverage of Black Lives Matter protests. Why is that? The only difference is that Black Lives Matter is is advocating for the equity and value of respect of Black lives in this country. And whenever Black lives are advocating for... <laughs> Mike, Michael Che has a funny bit about civil rights... It's just civility. It's not anything. It's not. It's not special rights. It's not, you know, uh, uh, you know, privileged rights. It, it's basic human decency. Uh, whenever black people are advocating for that, it's a problem. Uh, you know, it, it's it's an issue because you know, oh, slavery's over. Get over it. You know, what what's the big deal? And um, and other folks will, you know, cry out. I mean. I'm so happy for my Asian American and Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander brothers and sisters who have been able to advocate and get protections. But there's there's a federal, you know, hate crime bill that covers hate against them. But we can't pass an anti-lynching bill. Why? 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 Why is that taking so long? And it's not. It doesn't need to be an either or. I'm saying, why isn't it a both end? Why? 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 why, it went, it went back, and we and we stood with them, and, and as we was, and we do it, and and we do yep. it again, you know, and, and I'll and I'll continue to do it. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's not an either or, you know, it, it's not a well, you're not doing for me, so I'm not going to do for you. It, it, it's about the liberation of all oppressed people, 
And so a step forward for one is a step forward for all. But let's just be clear about the fact that it's always different when it comes to black people. It's never treated the same. If I could just jump in on that. Um, One of the things that I found interesting is whenever I sit around the table with with uh, like, for instance, our chief diversity officer here is uh, Native American. Right. Indigenous. So also I often say that blacks here are the minority of the minority. So generally speaking, if we're on on the East Coast. Right. You'll have more. Most of the chief diversity officers are black or Hispanic. Right. But mostly Mm -hmm. black. Right. Mm -hmm. But here you have like native and others. And so when I said what I said to you is just as 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 vibrant and as strong as I I said that uh, in a meeting with our diversity people, they got quiet Mm -hmm. and they got quiet because they knew what I was saying was true. It's like ultimately this is when black people when when this thing is critical race theory, this is what I've been saying, critical race theory didn't start with the Latinx community. It didn't start with the founders of it, right? It, it wasn't the, uh, uh, the Asian community or, the, or other communities. It started with black folk. So let's not, my thing is like, let's not play games with this. Yeah. And we have to be honest with ourselves as black folk about this. So not that, I think the genius of, calling it critical race theory is that other groups were able to build on it and to kind of shape it to their needs. But let's, let's remember the core of it is from black people. Agreed. That's right. Agreed. And I, I would actually add one other thing too. If we're thinking about all of the things that we've seen happen in the world over the last couple years, right? Um, you get to, you know, really look at the fact that even throughout the Trump years, one thing that we got was that there's just an extra explanation always given to everyone else but us, right? There's an extra level of criticism that yeah. comes to black people. There's a, uh, there's another level of excuses. Like there's people who, uh, can you imagine a black person going to prison and saying, you know, I, I can only eat organic food? <laughs> right? Dietary um, restrictions? Yeah. I don't care what type of black person. You could have been um, uh, the, a rich black person, celebrity, oh, yeah. but you're not, you're not getting organic food, right? You know, and, and they'll laugh you into... Uh, a hunger strike and, and maybe potential death. So I, I, I say that as our his it's not even about American history anymore. It's about consistent behavior that we that we've seen and maybe we're insane because we keep hoping that it'll be different this time. Um and, and it's not. Hmm. So um, here, here's my question. So if we don't have folks like Dr. Friedman around, who do we trust or who do we call on? We don't have Paul that we can call on. Who do we trust to teach us? So I, 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 I have two things. And sorry, fellas, I got, I got to bounce in a moment. You know, kids and all, right? 
uh, and um, the NBA Finals. But um, so, Amen. Uh, <laughs> before I bounce, so that the, there is um, this whole thing. See, replacement came right in on time. So I feel like teaching is one thing, but I feel like there's there's something that we our, our culture still struggles with. You guys have been talking about one important fact. You guys said a lot of this information is in books. And that is the beginning of what I find to be the problem. Not that books are the problem. If the books are things that many people don't read anymore. And that's the problem. Right? So unfortunately, we are going to be in this this, this cycle where the information is gonna be there. We'll put out a movie. Everybody's gonna be hyped up for two, three weeks about what is going on. And then we're going to be back, back to this again. So I don't necessarily know if we can fix this until un, until the great Messiah comes. But I feel like um, if we can get back to teaching people how to do research or people, hey, know yourself, you know, dig dig it into that. I think that that would be helpful because, like I said before, I did not find out about a lot of stuff that you guys are talking about until I was in my teens. Mm-hmm. Right, so a lot of it starts from teaching them from early ages. So, what my wife and I do is, you know, when we go to the library, it's mandatory. Yeah, you can get a Marvel comic book, sure, why not? But three of those books that you bring home are going to be about African American history. It's going to be out there about the history of our people. It's really? going to be that. It's going to be that. You know what I mean? And but well, I want to read. Okay, well, there's an MLK book for you. Here goes the Sojourner Truth book for you. Here's about, you know, they knew about Catherine Global Johnson before the movie came out. Mm-hmm. I'm saying so for me, that was important because I did not have to wait until we knew, oh, there was work on the rocket ships. No, we knew about that information. We knew this, and there's so much more. And don't wait on um, February. This is a year round thing. I mean, I'm, you know, I don't know that there was a day where I wasn't black. So for me, because that's the case, I think it starts at home. There's the answer right there. There's the answer. The parents have to be the teachers. I was going to suggest that Michael's everybody's teacher. That was my my solution. I want want Michael teaching that Saturday class that Sydney was talking about. I I like that. (laughs) I'll take it. Shoot. Well, some some of it is the degradation of the black church, right? Mm-hmm. The issues have, have, have taken mm-hmm. place. The black church was the center of black life. It was this where everyone went for knowledge, information, and things like that. And it's turned into more of pageantry and um, fashion shows and in some things cases. like that. But, but I think... What 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 uh what we've gotten from uh, this pandemic is a resurgence of the knowledge sharing in the black community, right? You we might all get sick of all these internet shows, but everybody became a producer overnight, um, and everybody have has now um, been able to. Um, not only look at things differently, but get their message out and share history. I think it's, you know, it's not, um, uh, it's not, it's it, it was not coincidental that, you know, we learned about Fred Hampton in a different way uh, this year. 
Um, I just think that people are have a different openness to uh, figuring things out, learning from different sources, and and everyone has a new medium now because everyone can have a show uh, just like this. Yo, but I think that that so that that is a one way we can learn. And I think that it's an advantage now that we actually have uh, more access to content. Uh, it's also a danger. Uh, I was in a. I don't like to get into YouTube. I mean, not YouTube, Facebook battles. But I was in one uh, a couple weeks ago because this guy was just ignorant as what, and I I just couldn't for whatever reason. I guess I had read enough ignorant posts that I was at my my wit's end, and I just went back and forth with him, you know. And he's he's sourcing all kinds of just nonsense, and I'm like, yo, that that's not a real source, like. But people now see that as news. If it's, it's a blog, I'm like, that's a blog, bro. Like, you don't even know who this guy is. He could, you know, he could be working at Walmart and logging, and now you're just taking it and running it. And I was like, yo, I, it was about the, it was about how the Civil War started, and I, I, I was just like, you know, all you have to do is go read uh, the the declaration letters of each state that left the secession letters. Every single one of them says we're leaving because of slavery. So. Right. You know, you can talk about, you know, John, John Johnson's blog. I don't really care what he says. I'm looking at these individuals and what they're saying. Uh, so we have to be careful. I, I want to piggyback on what Sheldon said real quick, which is I think that it's always going to be in the home. Like it starts in the home. Um, Egu talked about uh, I was driving and I was listening. So Egu was talking about uh, Alexander Stevens letter, who, by the way, was the vice president of the Confederacy. Uh, right, and that speech actually—it's an incredible speech to read. You should read yeah. it actually because it starts off with him Our telling unique the crowd, institution. Yes, okay. yeah, he, start, he, he yeah. starts off by telling the crowd, like, "Hey, you know what? If you guys keep talking, I'll be here all night. Y'all need to be quiet so I can say what I need to say." So I, I was like, "Who starts a speech like that? Like, that's amazing." So, <laughs> but when you read when you read the speech, you know, you see that they're saying he says it very plainly, like. The problem with the U.S. Constitution is that a lot of guys who wrote that Constitution believed that slavery was evil, and they believed that slavery would run its course because it was evil. Mm -hmm. And he says, but our Constitution understands we're coming from a place where we understand that slavery is actually moral, that it is godly, and we are the pillars of the yes. world. Yes. <laughs> We are upholding God's law here in the South, and it will spread throughout the world, right? And the reason why I say piggyback on Sheldon is because I, I read that speech to my kids before worship. Before evening worship, I say, hey, before we have evening worship, I'm going to read this, and I want you to listen. Use your context, your context clues and tell me what time period, who's speaking, what's going on in the world history at the time mm -hmm. and very clearly they're like oh this is uh civil war mm -hmm. this is some racist confederate right mm -hmm. and we got to that section where he starts talking about this universal truth about how black people are are can never be equal he, that's what he says he says the constitution is based on the fact that all people are created equal and that's an error right mm -hmm. So being able to have that discussion with my kids, I know for sure that when they run into ignorant whoever, mm -hmm. whether it's on the street, whether it's in a classroom, 
whether it's on Facebook, I know that they at least have heard from the words of Alexander Stevens, the, the vice president of the Confederacy, why they defected and why they created, why, why they, 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 they were treasonous, you know. Um, they have that background. And I think that that is what we have to do, not just with black history, but with all history, with, right. with church history, with family history. I mean, even within our families, man, there's lies that are told about family history. And it's up to and, us. And, to and vaccinations. Hello? Yeah, it's, it's up to us to tell yeah. our, our kids the truth and to show right. them the truth. That, that, Gabe, that is beautiful. The simple fact that you are at this point, that you can have this discussion with your children, means that there was so much work <laughs> that had to be done for your kids mm -hmm. to be in tune with that stuff, the kids to be interested so that they are actually learning while at home. And I, I, I know for sure that that is a far too of a unique experience right. for individuals in America. Can you, can you imagine having your kids sitting down and listening to a speech from the 1860s and the kids are engaged engaged and wanting to know and wanting to learn that right there Gabe that just speaks to the fact that you have done a whole lot of work up until mm -hmm. this point to have those kids to be engaged like this so that that's amazing that is absolutely amazing I, my fear is is that they're just there, there is so much that is distracting the average American, the average black African-American folks. They're working one job and they're working the second job and then they're working yeah. the third job. And then they're then they're fighting with their spouses and in-laws and then they're fighting their injustice and they're fighting the folks that job. There there isn't time, unfortunately, for that individual to sit down after his 18 hour shift to put his child on his knee and tell him or in, instruct him about the history of America and what has brought people up to this particular point. That person is exhausted. That person is distracted. That person has too many things going on. They're worried about just food on the table. You know, Maslow's hierarchy, you know, it, it, we, we need to get food, security, and shelter before we can start thinking about other things and higher things. So I think that there, yes, you're absolutely right. It does start in the home. It has to start in the home. Sheldon is absolutely right. Gabe, you're absolutely right. But we need to understand what types of distractions that are taking place that are pulling individuals in their own homes away from hitting these, these steps to becoming or being those teachers for their, for their children. And that's the unfortunate thing. I used to talk to my brother all the time. I said, you know what? Folks need to go to their political rallies. Folks need to go to go see their congressmen. Folks need to hurry up and make sure that they're at their town hall meetings and stuff like that. I used to be on that all the time. And then I realized, wait a second, I'm the one dude that's not married, don't have any kids. You know, I, I, I have the opportunity to get in my car whenever I want to, to go to some place at seven o'clock at night and then spend three hours there and then come back. Who has that time? When people have to come home and they need, they need to feed their children, then fall asleep and then get back up again for their shift that's starting at six o'clock. So it does take a certain level. It does take a certain uh, prerequisites, I should say, in order to be as engaged as you possibly can with the political process, with what's going on with your kids and so forth. So I get it. It's tough. It's tough. So that's why I'm saying that who do we trust to teach? these kids 
who do we who, who do we call upon? Because it can't be the average Joe Schmo that's coming home at night. And clearly we have a collection of, you know, men here sitting and able to talk about this, but we are a very, very, very tiny, tiny sliver of this population. Do you, in other words, would you trust the education to the Latin American or to the Asian American or to the Native American to teach the African American experience? No. <laughs> no. And I and I if, if if I could just jump in and say this, one of the projects that I'm working on, um, I started this ministry last year, uh, the liberation movement, and one of the one of the biggest projects that we're working on, we're kind of in the silent phase, but it's 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 gonna be rolling out soon, is a curriculum. It's called the decolonizing the black mind curriculum. So we're gonna have a curriculum for those who are at um, are between elementary, high school kind of age, and then we're going to have like an adult adult curriculum, and so it's going to be an online interactive curriculum. Uh, so, like you're saying, there there are uh, I don't know, I'm sure there's other people that are doing uh, similar things, but we're seeing that that's a need. People are saying, "Wow, we need to know more about our history. We need to know we don't know about pre-colonial Africa." Right. So how do we create an interactive yeah. curriculum that starts them there and gets them to the United States, gets them to South America, gets them to the Caribbean? And so I think that's one of the proactive ways that I'm trying to I'm trying to do and working with some other colleagues to make that to make that happen. But I think projects like that, if you're saying that, you know, parents can't can't kind of they may not have the background and the tools to to do it. Uh, that we have some type of curriculum that they can access online that allows them to interact and learn about their history and then uh, help them along the way. But but it can't come from anybody else. It has to come from. I mean, because I, I'm just I'm playing the devil's advocate here. Because if you're in if you're in central Germany, all right, you're in Austria, you're in Siberia, and there aren't. Africans there, would you say that say, you know what, in this particular instance, in these instances like this, you know what, we may have to resign ourselves and say, you know what, hey, someone who is not African may have to teach this study and may have to teach this course critically. Or are you saying yeah. that it needs to be, it, it has to be. I don't yeah. think that's, that, that, No, no, I, I, I get what you're saying now. I get so, what you're saying now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have you have white. We got white professors that get it. Yeah, right, right. So yeah, I, I, I teach Africana studies, and some of my white colleagues are uh, that do uh, do get it. But I, I think it's. I think there's no, there's something special about um, people that are connected to that particular community that come out of that com community. So. Um, so I take back what I just said. It, it, as you as you rolled that out, as you rolled it out a little more. Um, they can, but I think when you can, you want um, you, when you, you can. It, it's important to have black teachers uh, teaching yeah. teaching our, our people. I agree. I agree with you, Jason, and I, I think that um, I'm going to take what you just said a little a step further, Sydney. Um, if you have two um, qualified teachers, hmm. one's black and one's white, I take the black teacher over the white teacher. If you have a white teacher who's qualified and a black teacher who's not, I take the white teacher over the black teacher. 
because it's still school. It's still, it's still, school. Yeah. It's still education, yeah. right? So so while I while I while I definitely agree that the preference is to have qualified I'd rather have a qualified um, native teaching native history. I'd have a qualified Asian teaching Asian history. I'd rather have a qualified mm-hmm. African American. That, that, that's my preference. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we live in the world; we always get what we want. So, like, I've actually had, and um, Gabe was there. I've actually had a white teacher teaching Black history to Black kids. That's just the situation we were in. This is the, mm-hmm. this is the school we're in. This is the situation we're in. Mm-hmm. Is it is it ideal? No, it's not. But. This is where we are. So, I mean, and I thought he did a good job, to be honest with you. And you know, right. as 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 one of his supervisors, I was responsible for walking around, being in the classroom, and I was I was in the room when I could be, and I, I thought he did a good job. Now, did he do as good of a job as Gabe might have done? Hmm. Probably not. Right, qualified history teacher. I said history. I meant literature. So so mm-hmm. so not Gabe. So like let's say, say me. I teach literature. Was he as good of a black history? Liter- a, a black uh, literature teacher as I might have been? Probably not. I'm a qualified right? mm-hmm. black man teaching, so probably not. But again, he did a good job. You, you deal with the situation that you're in. So I, so I agree with you, um, Jason, in that um, you have your preferences, but right. if, if it's an all, if, like if it's a zero sum, if it's all or nothing, like, right, you know what I mean? If it's like either we're going to have this white guy teacher or if we don't have it, I'd rather have the white guy teaching it. Have the white guy do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that as educators, you guys write your own curriculum. You guys write your own script. It depends. It depends. Yeah. Depends on the situation. Huh. Depends on the school, depends on the system. Depends on the school, depends on the principal a lot of times. I always wrote my own curriculum, but I'm a rebel. So <laughs> there are times when people like, teach this, and I'm like, no, I'm teaching this. Or I'd be like, okay, and go teach whatever, you know, go teach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll do that, and then I'll okay, do so it, it really depends. It really depends. There are, there, are, there, are definitely, there are definitely situations in which teachers are taught what to teach. And actually, there's a lot of situations in which um, teachers, for example, of the same course have to teach essentially the same thing. So you have to standardize the curriculum for this class. We're going to offer seven sections of this class. They'll have to be the same. So whatever section you're teaching, here's your syllabus. So that's mm-hmm. happened too. So it, it depends. So, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm just, I'm just learning here. This so, is so yeah, we got a bunch of educators here today, which is is rare that we're this outnumbered. It was um, muted. We have we have four of them. Um, um, so he was trying to say something. He's muted. Who is Gabe? Oh. His, his mic's not working or something. He's, he's over there, very very aggressively trying to talk. With Gabe. Here's us though, which is funny. Let's think. Let's put a game for the next ten seconds. <laughs> well, before we go there, typically every week we ask a question. Gabe, Gabe, are you back? Yeah, I, I just said I never wrote my own curriculum because I'm not crazy like Paul. Um, but I definitely would see what standards needed to be taught, and I'm gonna, I'm going to make sure you learn that standard through the method I want you to learn it. You know, so. I, I was an individual who would, would give you Nas lyrics and, and we're going to dissect Nas lyrics at, at, at a school um, on the Manitani. I won't, I won't name names. We're going to look at these Nas lyrics and you might not even know they're Nas lyrics. But if the principal <clears> comes in and is like, what are you doing? I'm going to be like, hey, those lyrics spoke to this standard. I'm well within my rights to use any tool I feel necessary to get my kids to that knowledge point. Um, 
So mm -hmm. I did a thing. I did a thing this summer where we, where we did. Um, of course, I just, I'm a university teacher, so it's a little different. But I did a thing this summer where we compared and contrasted um, a song by Nas, "If I Ruled the World," to a song by uh, a singer by the name of Donald Fagan. I don't know if you know. Um, he's the lead singer of a band called Steely Dan from the '70s. You might know Steely Dan. Mm -hmm. But he's lead singer. He's got a solo album, so a solo career now. So anyway, oh, he, oh, yeah, he, he, had a, he had a song. He had a song uh, out in '82 called IGY, and and both of the both of these songs are essentially about their image of an ideal world, right? So so both, mm. so so an image they both come back to in both songs, "If I Rule the World" and this other song "IGY" by Donald Fagan. They talk about freedom, right? So the question was. Is freedom different for white people than it is for black people? Nas's image of freedom is very different from Donald Fagan's image, image of freedom in IGY. So we just listen mm -hmm. to the song. Let's just listen to the songs. Okay, now what is he saying? Let's look at the lyrics. What is he saying? This is a critical reading. What is he saying? He's talking about spandex jackets and, and going to going to the London in 90 minutes and all this. Donald <laughs> like, I'm like, what is this dude talking about? Yeah. Okay, we listen to Nas. Everybody, this is a black school. Everybody's like, yeah, they, they know the song. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, we're bumping our heads. I'm like, okay, what is he actually talking about? Okay, he's talking I always, about I always wanted to ask Nas, in his world, why was all the coke blue magic? I, I did want to ask that. He must have, he must have had an investment in that company or something. Because maybe, you know, maybe because 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 coke was out of reach for. for yeah, I just, I just, I just want to know what his reasoning is for saying he wants all the coke to be just one hundred percent pure. You know, I, I, one day maybe I'll get to talk to Nas. Remember, Nas is one of my favorite people. I, I mentioned that earlier in one of yeah, my even though you did something wrong early episode <laughs> four, but that's, that's neither here nor there. All right, well, every ep episode we ask a question. This week, uh, spurned on by, uh, I was watching the movie Space Jam. Uh, with my kids, I actually didn't get to finish it because one I or two, two. Uh, they watched one already. Uh, they actually enjoyed it, and it was meant for children. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, amen. It was meant amen. for children. Shout out to my man LeBron for 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 uh, giving our terrible in the movie, but shout out to him. Love him. I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't notice him being bad, but sh I, I think he was on par. With I him. did. He was on par. Oh, of course, the bar was on the floor, so of course. Correct, he was. correct. Yeah, he just had to. He just had to yeah, step he, he, ma he matched. He matched in point, shot for shot. We have, I will we say this: we have LeBron. a big Jordan hater in, in, in the bottom. Well, middle. I'll say this too, though. LeBron allowed jokes to be made about him in mm. this film, unlike That's Michael. True. Michael That's would true. never have allowed some of those jokes that. to fly. Yeah, he would That's never. It's true. Very, very. Malcolm very Lee different. would never have made another movie if that happened to Jordan. Hmm. Agreed. So the question today is, uh, name your favorite movie and why. Ugh. That's really hard. Golly. Jeez. That's really hard. Why? Because you have too many? Or you I don't have have to say, yeah, you have too many. You I don't really have a favorite movie. movie. You have too many things. You got right. too many. So I'll go first. Yeah. Uh, my favorite movie is a short film. Nice. Um, correct. Currently, it's in uh, post production. Uh, the title is Bizarro, uh, and it's a it's a story about a young man who lives in a world where uh, women are the dominant gender um, and objectify men. Uh, and we watch as he tries to navigate through his own desires on what his future is supposed to be, 
and the expectation that has been placed upon him uh, within this world. Um, and I, I, that is my favorite movie of all time. It's a short film uh, written by uh, Paul Nixon and Gabriel Madrid. Um, <laughs> it was uh, produced by EGOT Entertainment, uh, which is a company that uh, was started by uh, Gabriel Madrid and Paul Nixon. And uh, it was directed by uh, Paul Nixon as well. So uh, we are hopefully going to have it in festivals this this uh, fall. In this, uh, sorry about that. This fall, we're hopefully going to have it uh, in festivals. So it's going to make some people very upset. There we go. I think, but I think you guys might like it. Well, well, okay. Well, we'll see it when it comes out. Uh, my, uh, my favorite movie. I can't decide whether it's Godfather one or two. It's, um, it's, it's. I think it's Godfather two. At least you quote that one a whole lot more than one. Yeah, I mean one, 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 one. I've definitely watched more. Two is definitely has the lines, um, especially. You know, um, you broke my heart. You broke my heart. That's that's a, a classic one. But my favorite line in the movie, uh, what did it for me is when uh, uh, Tom Hagen says to him, well, Mike, you've won. What are you going to do, wipe everyone out? He says, just my enemies, Tom. Just my enemies. <laughs> <laughs> this is, who is your favorite movie? Just the way you smile. I'm just saying, it's, it's, it's <laughs> acting, man. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. Great movie. Logie. Jeez. I mean, uh, Heat. Nice. Heat is an amazing movie because, because here you have two sets of men. It's like two, two groups of men that were all brought up and cultured by their own experiences on total opposite ends of the spectrum when it came to the law. And they are pitted against each other because of, a, because of laws that are sometimes transient. They, they, they can change today. Something that was illegal before is now legal now. You know, you know and, and these people are so tuned in to their belief system as to what is right and what is wrong, and they are equally, they are constantly on edge with each other. That is a great movie, because that is just a huge slice of just a human condition. And they are going at each other with bullets and, and plans of destruction and ways of trying to get to each other. That movie there, you know, can be interpreted on a whole bunch of levels. Heat, amazing movie, amazing movie. I, I like that one. I mean, stellar performances, great actors, great premise, great directing, cinematography. But just the principle about that thing, hey, you don't even know who to root for in that movie. You 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 have you have no idea who the bad guy is or who the good guys are. Heat, I go with that. All star cast there too. Uh, awesome. Uh, Dr. Freeman. Malcolm X. 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 The movie. Um, 
I think when when you know they beat up that they beat up that that brother, and they put him in they put him um, they put him in jail, and then uh, Malcolm X and the FOI they go to the to the uh, police station, and then when you know they get things sorted out, and he had all these brothers these brothers in front of the police station, and then he. He uh, he does his finger like this, and then they and then you get a white man that's saying, you know, this no one man should have this much power. I think mm. you know, first time I saw that, that just resonated with me. Like so, Malcolm X. That's 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 mm. my that's my movie. Mm. That, that, that's one of my favorite moments. That's solid. Yeah, and that's actually historically accurate. That actually happened. Mm-hmm. A number of uh, uh, eyewitnesses uh, say that. Uh, uh, Nick's. Ooh, uh, this is a tough one. Well, um, but before the main character got canceled, my favorite movie or one of my favorite movies, but probably towards the top was Usual Suspects. I, I really God, like that so film. Kaiser, 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 R.I.P. Kevin Spacey, though we won't we won't linger on that, uh, but. <laughs> but I think I think in lieu of that, um, man, it's probably there's so many, but it's probably yeah, a trilogy. Really. I, I really I really like Lord of the Rings, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm-hmm. It's it's I could I could watch that on a marathon, you know, like on a Sunday, just all day, just mm-hmm. just back to back. I love those movies. All right, Paul. I don't have a favorite, it's, but it's it's really interesting though. Um, I haven't read the Lord of the Rings books, but it, it's really interesting how yeah, good how good these how good these movies are. You're talking about The Godfather one and two. You're talking about Malcolm X. The books are so much better, and the the movies are amazing. And The Godfather, <laughs> The Godfather two might be the best movie ever made. And the book is so much better. I mean, it's like it's just well, there like, is no book. The, the book doesn't really cover two. Yes, it does. No, it does not. Yes, it does. How? What do you mean? It's there. I'm reading it right now. It's there. I'll go get it. Where, where in Godfather Two do you see all the things they were writing the movie while they made it? You see Hyman Roth in there. It's not shot for shot, but it's but the but the essence of the story is there. The old stuff with the father is in there. I'm talking about yeah. yeah, yeah. The old yeah. stuff, the the flashback stuff is there. That's yeah. true. But yeah. as far as with Roth and all the other stuff that anyway, and whatever. It's fine. The book, the, the books, the movies are amazing. Mm-hmm. The books are better. It's so reading is really a lost art. I, I wish people would read one because it's, it's and Heat. By the way, that's a good pick, man. That um that um the chase scene. Oh my goodness! Shootout scene. Shootout scene. With, you know, they, they, there's no music in that scene. None at all. The, the sound is gunfire and oh. for like ten minutes. It's crazy. Like it was just nuts. Anyway, so. That movie is um, unreal. Unbelievable. Unreal. I might watch it tonight. It's a good movie. A good Paul, movie. your second favorite movie is Baby Boy, right? Nice. Baby Boy is <laughs> Baby Boy is the greatest. Baby Boy is the greatest accidental comedy of all time. <laughs> John Singleton thought he made a drama. He made a comedy, and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh so, man! My favorite. I don't have a favorite movie, but for my favorite movie, I'm going to pick the greatest romantic comedy of all time, Boomerang. Mm. Boomerang is an unbelievable watch over and over and over again. It's it's just incredible. It's just it's really really good storytelling. Like all jokes aside, it's really good storytelling. 
The acting is okay, but it's really funny and it's very well casted. It's very cast. well casted, man. It's just really good very well casted. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there's no there's no holes in the plot. I mean, it just it it follows. You know what I mean? It, it just it, it really works. It works really well. He should have proud of Eddie Murphy, man. That's just, that's a great that's a great great film. It's literally, my that's like one of my that actually is one of my favorite movies. I don't have one, but it's like I had to go to my IMDb. Um, page to find what I've rated the, the highest to find out what, what my favorite movies are. I don't even know, but Boomerang, man. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Well, shout out to you for actually doing IMDb um, ratings because yeah. most people just skip over that. I mean, I'm in the industry, so I gotta, I gotta be you know, true to true to the, true to the craft. Right. Well, I don't know what that means. We're, 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 we're at time. We want to thank Dr. Sidney Freeman for guesting on the, the, the podcast, Dr. Jason Logan for coming back, uh, Michael Nixon, who is actually the, the seventh member of the podcast now, if we're just being honest with ourselves. <laughs> so thanks for, th- thanks for coming out. Uh, the Boymanship podcast will always lead you right and will never lead you wrong or something like that. Wrong and strong. Uh, oh, strong is what we do? Okay, strong. <laughs> uh, the Boymanship podcast, yeah. we're out of here. <laughs>